Let's get it. Hop off a 16, passing the ditch of D5. I know this not a challenger. Big one. I keep some members with me in the freaks. Get coat seats, they some cannibals. They like to get geek. Drink a whole bottle, wake up and repeat. Damn. She took a look, mixed it with the chill out. Now she says she's in 3D. Wow. I go in the jungle and then got a coat. I bet I come out with a meme. I bet Do I... this shit for the fam, cause this shit bigger than me. Yeah. Color stones in my infinity lane. And in the factory masterpiece. Factory. I call on twin, could that be my brother? We got the same roller, he matching me. Nah, for real. Water on me, like the sun. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am 24. Give me like two seconds, hold on. My cord, my microphone, I went to therapy on uh, on Thursday or Friday. I had a family emergency on Thursday. Went to therapy on Friday. I took my backpack. I have this metal hinge that I like warped so that way it's like a hook. What is it? It's not a hinge, really. It's more along the lines of just this piece of metal that I kind of warped into this hook so that way I could drill it into my desk so that way it could act like an actual hook. So I could put my backpack on it so that way I could know exactly where my backpack is. It is very, very useful. It was like $3. Did you know that to have an actual backpack hook, it costs... Like twenty or thirty dollars, and the same thing goes for a headphone. I have these. Can you hear that? Hold on. That is my metal hook that is bolted into. It's not fully bolted. I it, like I, I I gave it a little bit of slack. It's like it's. It was like three or four dollars. I mean, probably even less because I bought them for. I, I bought like maybe a pack of five or six for five or six dollars. So it's even less than that. But sorry, my microphone cord got caught on the hook because my backpack was on the hook, so it was underneath my backpack strap. I apologize. Anyways, unpause my music. We're back. We are back after a very, very long hiatus. I will get into why there was a long hiatus on the podcast. It's uh, for a very, very good reason. And then we'll enter into a lot of very, very big things happening over the weekend, over last weekend, over the next couple of days. Unfortunately, we will not go into last week's games because maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll see. And we'll obviously talk about college football, among other things. Anyways, all that coming up, ladies and gentlemen, right here. 24th podcast. That was Quavo and Takeoff Hotel Lobby on Colors, on the Color Show. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, I'm wearing my, my socks. My socks, my, my socks. My, what are they? These are my reading socks. 
You got to get reading socks, man. You got to get reading socks. Reading socks are the best thing on the planet. They are the best socks on the planet. They warm your feet. I've never had I've never known warmth as much as I have known the warmth that my reading socks bring me. I it's just they're great. They're great socks. You can't wear them with anything. You can't wear them with shoes because they're pretty much like shoes, except they are socks. I've always hated, I've always hated house shoes. It's like, why would I want to wear shoes? I'm from the country. Why would I wear shoes in the house when I've been stepping in, in, in just straight up animal crap for like an hour? I'm like, I'm not bringing my shoes in the house. I'm not wearing house shoes. I will wear socks or I will go barefoot, but they got to be comfortable socks. And these are very comfortable socks. So. Why did I not podcast for almost a week? I think Wednesday would be about a week. Well, honest to God, it's because of the whole Damar Hamlin situation and thing. I, I, like, I said something that it's hard to describe. It, I said something last week where I was like, I said something last week that weighed on my conscience very, very heavily over like three or four days. And then I had a family emergency and I was actually going to come back potentially tomorrow. But then I was like, as I was watching college football playoff game, but then I said, let's just put it off until Tuesday. And so here I am on Tuesday, starting up the podcast again. But I said something that kind of weighed on me and that was, as I was talking about DeMar Hamlin and going through the timeline and talking about the, the, like, just the situation overall that unraveled, and I think I talked about it either on Tuesday or Wednesday. I, it was on Wednesday. Was it on Tuesday? I forgot one. But it was essentially right after it had happened, so I didn't really have, like, a lot of information. He's out of the hospital, by the way, so that's great. But I was... Worried about him like everybody else was. But I also... I also wanted to watch football. I'm not going to lie to you. And I... It, it's very, very hard to express without seeing, seeming selfish and being selfish to a large extent. And I think I didn't do a great job of being like... I'm... I'm hopeful that he will be all right. I don't know his status, but I am hopeful that he will be all right. And he is, obviously. But I also am semi-excited about the games that are this weekend because it's the final kind of games of the weekend. And it, it was kind of interesting. It was kind of not interesting, these games. But I was excited about the games this weekend, or last weekend, excuse me. And I was also excited about the games this weekend, the start of the playoffs, the wildcard weekend, the super wildcard weekend, as the NFL has now dubbed it. And it was a very, very complex kind of emotional process that I had to undergo and I didn't really like 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 I I kind of came to the conclusion to be honest with you that it's okay to be excited about football but it's also but it's also it's two things can be true you can be worried about Demar Hamlin and you can also be like I I'm excited about football I think I don't think that makes me a bad person but it kind of took me a long time to realize that it was perfectly fine to essentially be complex and that's kind of what the situation was and that's what the situation is and then I had a family emergency my dad was like hospitalized 
on like Thursday or Friday, and I was, it was just, it was just like, should I podcast or not? Like, no. And then Saturday, I had already taken off Saturday, and then Sunday and Monday, I was gonna podcast, but then I just decided, eh, I'll just, I'll just take this as a short little mini break before we get into the college football, not the college football playoffs, but just the regular playoffs. And then on top of that, I also lost my voice for a couple of days, so haven't had the best couple of days, and yeah, I haven't had the best couple of days, so those are the updates, that's what's been going on for the last really week, that's where I was for the last week, got some really, really cool stuff coming today via Amazon, thank God, I got, oh God, I've been Hunting down these sunflower seeds, these Chinook cedaries, my gas station that I buy my gas and buy snacks from, I think incorrectly, or maybe not incorrectly is the best way to describe it, but they bought these sunflower seeds by mistake, these seeds called Chinook seeds, and I've been waiting for them to restock them. They haven't restocked them in like months. They haven't even, like they just have all these sunflower seeds like David's and Big's there. I can't even eat David's anymore. I threw away like, like, a less than a third of, of the bag that I was eating. I just, I can't eat it. They're, like, David's is just, they're just bad. Biggs is okay to good, but they're extra, extraordinarily salty. Chinook seeds are, like, soft, so you can eat them for very, very long periods of time. They're soft. They're also perfectly seasoned. They're not overly seasoned, so you don't get dry and cotton mouth, things of that nature. I also got earbuds for when I work out, I may, I may go to the gym to may, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see, but long story short, got a lot of really, really cool stuff going on, I was playing chess last night, I was super, super tired, but uh, I don't know, here I am, also, goodness gracious, Brandon Sanderson just released his newest big boy book, the, not the big boy book, the, what is it? The Secret Novels. If you don't know, Brandon Sanderson is this, author, is this author that, during the global pandemic, wrote four books. Because he's an author. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to write four books during the global pandemic. And he put them all, all out on his Kickstarter. And they are... They look really, really awesome, first and foremost. But then on top of that, they're also really expensive as well. And I kind of want him to make another Kickstarter page because the quality of the books that he has are like insanely valuable. And I can't re remember. Oh my God, my mug just fell on the ground and absolutely nailed me in my ankle. Oh my God, it's like having a skateboard hit me in my ankle. Jesus Christ, that hurt me so much. But he had this Kickstarter page, Brandon Sanderson, and it went gangbusters. He sold like $19 million in merchandise and stuff like that, in books and merchandise. How much? How much was it? Oh, excuse me. I, oh. <laughs> I am way off. It was $41 million. So it went gangbusters. And the quarterly books, oh, okay, that makes sense. They were like $40. And then you have to pay $40 additional dollars for shipping. But then he has... He has the, uh, what is it? The book's retailing at like $50. So it's just like, oh, okay. So it's actually around, it's actually around that price. Oh, okay. That makes sense. 
And now I'm like, I'm like, do I want, do I want to get one of his books? Am I, am I just getting the FOMO? Am I just, am I just ridiculous? Like what? It, I don't know. Sorry. Anyways, I'm trying to like look and see if I can't get into the secret projects. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I mean the cover arts, the arts for the books are just, mwah, they are insanely good. Oh my goodness. Anyways, we have uh, other stuff to talk about then. I also broke my computer monitor. I was looking for my Apple pencil and I broke my freaking $400 computer monitor, but I bought it refurbished. So that makes me feel good. I don't know. I'm cheap. So it's just like, I'll make do. I'll make use of it. But yes, I, I broke a very, very expensive. I mean, broke. It has a crack in it, but it's not spreading. The crack isn't spreading and it works fine. The crack actually, like, I can't feel the crack on my computer monitor. It's like, I don't know how I did it, but ugh, wait, I was very distressed over the last couple of days. Also, I had like two family emergencies. My dad was in the hospital. My mom got robbed. It was a lot of stuff. Jesus Christ. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Hopefully, your week has been much, 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 much better than mine. So, there you go. But we are back. We are back to talk about sports. We are back to talk about football. Anyways. Ugh, let me stand up. Watching Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Still watching that. Still trying to go through Harry Potter. How awesome is Harry Potter? Jesus Christ. Especially, like, I, I love all the Harry Potter movies, but oh my gosh. The first the first movies are childlike wonder movies all the way up to, to the fourth movie or the fifth movie. And then the fifth movie is where life hits him. He's just like, I have to fight Voldemort and then people die and all that other stuff. Anyways, we're here to talk about football. So where should we begin the podcast? Would, should we begin with college football? Should we begin with the absolute brutality that was and is Black Monday, the Monday after the regular season, a.k.a. when a lot of head coaches lose their job? Should we talk about Russell Wilson playing significantly better without Nathaniel Hackett as his head coach, beating the Los Angeles Chargers, true, in Denver. But it doesn't matter because the Broncos have been terrible all year and they just beat one of the top-tier playoff teams in the, NF, uh, in the NFL, in the Chargers. And then last week, or the week after, or the week before that, they go up against the Chiefs and they almost beat the Chiefs. And it's just like the Broncos have, ever since firing Nathaniel Hackett, played really, really good football. Should I talk about that? Mm. Let's talk about Black Monday. So, Black Monday, a lot of people talk about it as if it is this doom and gloom Monday. Oh my God, Black Monday is terrible. All these head coaches, they get fired. For me, I love Black Monday. I actually am very excited about Black Monday because of the simplicity of the fact that you get very, very bad coaches, potentially, out of the league, out of the NFL, maybe not out of the league, but you unseat them from a high, 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 high 
position of power. From a head coaching position. Where there is a lot of influence, there's a lot of sway, there's a lot of momentum that can be generated from the head coach or taken away because of the head coach. Head coach position in the NFL is very, very important. And I love Black Monday. As much as people are like, that guy should, should, you shouldn't talk about a guy losing his job. Let's you and me have a conversation. If you don't do your job, do you have a job? If you are unproductive at your job, do you have a job? And then on top of that, like, they're millionaires, okay? Like, it would be different if it was an assistant coach who was just getting into the NFL. Dude, this is a NFL head coach that is making probably over three to four million dollars a year. And to be honest with you, if you were a mild to good to okay head coach, and if you had had some connections here and there, you could go to college and make like a 10-year career out of college and you could, uh, out of uh, going to a college football program and probably make somewhere in, the, in your 10 years with said college program, somewhere close to 20 to 40 million dollars if you have the connections, which a lot of these head coaches do in the pros and in college. They go to college football and they could be like, eh, I can make 20 to 40 million in the next 10 years if I go to college. So am I sad to a large extent for all the other coaches that are on their, their roster, that are on their coaching staff that won't have jobs? Yeah, but at the exact same time, I'm also excited for the players that these coaches had let down, for the fans, for the organization as well. So again, I love Black Monday. I love it. And I specifically love the prospect of being able to potentially improve your team via the head coach position, which is one of the most important positions in all of sports, the NFL head coach. Now, let's talk about the implications, the hirings, the firings, what went on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a great place to start is the Houston Texans. The reason why the Houston Texans are easily one of the most fascinating, one of the most interesting teams to talk about in relation to their head coach is simply because their head coach has been getting screwed for the past two years. I talked about it last year, literally almost to the day. I talked about it in the context of about two years ago. The Houston Texans hired David Culley. David Culley, who was the wide receiver coach for the Baltimore Ravens. They hired him. And I said, look, I don't believe in David Culley. I don't know who this person is. I think that this is a fall guy. I think if this was the 1960s and we had the five mob families or the four mob families or whatever, how many mob families there were in New York City, this guy would be my fall guy. This guy... Al Capone, I know he was from Chicago. Al Capone would push in front and be like, he's the real mob leader. I'm just a follower. I'm just an accountant. David Culley goes to jail, gets sentenced to 60 years. All the mob, I'm using the metaphor way too much. But essentially, David Culley was and is the fall guy for the Houston Texans. Because the Houston Texans about two years ago were trying to go after Josh McCown. They wanted Josh McCown as their head coach. 
Josh McCown was a former backup quarterback in the NFL. Josh McCown was, after he became a, a analysis, an analyst, excuse me, for ESPN, he was also an assistant coach for a high school football team. For some weird reason, Josh McCown had deep connections with the Houston Texans. So he goes and he interviews for the job with Houston, which is not very good. It's not good at all. Makes it look like you're not giving certain guys fair shots to get the job. So they hire David Culley instead to kind of pass over the controversy of potentially hiring a coach that doesn't have any NFL experience or college football experience, or isn't even the head coach for a high school football team. It will look very, very bad. As much as Jeff Saturday got flack for it, and rightfully so, it would have been way worse to hire a dude that's not even the head coach of a high school program as the head coach of your NFL football team. It would have looked ridiculous. And so, of course, they hire David Culley to take a bullet for Josh McCown. He takes that bullet. They fire him this time last year. And then they hire Lovey Smith. And the moment that they hired Lovey Smith, the first thing I said was, he is the exact same thing as David Culley was last year. He was a fall guy. He was a guy that the Houston Texans could use to get and recruit Josh McCown. That's what I believed. That's what I still believe. I'll continue forward with that in a couple of seconds. That's just me speculating, though. But where's the evidence? Where's the proof? Where's a little bit of the juice? Where is it? Well, let me show you. Let me try and describe to you. So last year, in the context of David Culley's whole tenureship with the Houston Texans, David Culley has all of his star players be stripped from his football team. All of them. J.J. Watt, I think, leaves last year. Yeah, he did leave last year. J.J. Watt leaves last year. The year before that, they traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals. And just all of their starters, they essentially trade and or release. And the Houston Texans, they go on to lose a, a bunch of football games. Don't get me wrong. But at the exact same time, the Houston Texans won more games than the Detroit Lions with Dan Campbell. And I made that point because I thought David Culley would be an absolute disaster. And it kind of wasn't. Considering that, again, the Houston Texans just traded away all of his best players. And so I said maybe I would give David Culley another year if I was honest. There's a great quote in the James Baldwin book, I Am Not Your Negro. The quote is, a unreasonable man says to a reasonable, reasonable man, meet me halfway. The reasonable man takes one step forward. The unreasonable man takes one step backward. And then the unreasonable man says, meet me halfway. Meaning that he will never meet him halfway and the reasonable man will have to make concessions, concessions to meet this unreasonable person's expectations. You will never be able to meet this person halfway. The Houston Texans were never going to give David Culley another opportunity to be the head coach. They were unreasonable. So, of course, they fired him out of a cannon. I have no idea where he is. They then hire Lovey Smith to essentially take on the same job in the same role as David Culley. Lovey Smith 
doesn't have any players. Lovey Smith doesn't have a professional NFL football team, in my opinion. Lovey Smith is straight up set up for failure. And he fails beautifully for the Houston Texans. He fails mightily for the Houston Texans. He fails consistently for the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans want draft picks. They want status. They have the money. Or semi. They semi have the money. The Houston Texans are potentially going to enter into their rebuild with the third-year GM in Nick Casario from the New England Patriots, who I said is a disaster, and it has been a disaster. These last two years for the Houston Texans, after the Bill O'Brien, Deshaun Watson era, has been one of the worst in the last 20 years, and they have sucked for some time, for 20 years. And let me tell you something, people from Houston are not happy about it. They're not happy about it at all. They're not happy about the losing. They're not happy about giving out good players, great players, historic players, your franchise leaders, your players that get drafted there and that are star players for you for over 10 years. Andre Johnson, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins. They never retire with your football team. They go away. They leave. Sometimes the better things. But they hire Lovey Smith to take that same bullet that David Culley did the year prior. And he just took it. They fired him literally after the football game against the Indianapolis Colts. Immediately. He said, I think in a post-game or pre-game, he said, I expect to be here next year. And when he said that, I was like, I have a feeling he's going to be fired because I feel like there's rumbling. Information gets leaked out that people were not happy with the way that Lovey Smith did things. And why would they? He's one of the oldest head coaches in the NFL. Again, I wasn't for David Culley. I wasn't for Lovey Smith. But I also wasn't necessarily against it when we went from putting things and contemplating things in theory to putting things in practice. I was like, oh, like the Houston Texans, they're competitive. They were competitive against Dallas. They were competitive against the Chiefs. They, they almost beat the Chiefs. They went in overtime with backups. That's something that you would maybe consider that you would question, that you would talk about. We would discuss. Overtime against the Chiefs? All right. All right. Went in overtime. Beat the Titans. So I look at the Houston Texans with both David Culley and Lovey Smith I'm not saying that they're great coaches. I'm not even saying they're good coaches. I don't know. They got hosed. But then David Culley just gave him a, a just a right big old middle finger on his way out the door. On his way out the door, flipped him off, put up the deuces. He said, "Oh, you're gonna screw me. I'm gonna screw you right back by winning a football game at the end of the season." The relevance, the significance of that is that the Houston Texans, for months, for months, have been playing this beautifully, have been setting this up beautifully. They have been trying and trying and trying to get a quarterback, trying to get that number one spot. Davis Mills is not the guy. He's not. They've been trying their damnedest to lose games, to get to this position where they are the number one overall football team drafting this year's draft. And they finally have it going into week 18 
They only have to lose this game against the Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday. It's fourth and 20. Davis Mills throws a Hail Mary. And it's green and it's good. Lovey Smith says, I'm not done yet. We're not playing for overtime. Goes for it. Goes for the two-point conversion. Atkins catches the two-point conversion. It's not a touchdown, but you know what I mean. It's two-point. It's it, it's kind of like a touchdown, but it's a two-point conversion. It only goes for two. Texans win the game. They concede the one seed. The Bears have the one seed. The Texans, I think, have the two seed. Now, anyone, anyone who wants Bryce Young can make a phone call. That was not on the table a week ago. Now it is. Now it is. I'm not going to talk draft strategy too much on the podcast, on this one. I want to talk about a lot of other things. But if I'm a football team, and I really, really want Bryce Young, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts, if I am the Raiders, if I'm anyone that's taken, that's trying to, if I'm Carolina, if I'm any one of those teams in the top 10, I'm making a phone call and I'm trying to get this thing situated before either the combine is pro day, Bryce Young's pro day, or even April. I'm trying to get this thing done months in advance. You want two first rounders? Here you go. Boom. Take them. You want three first rounders? I can't do three first rounders, but we can, sw- we can switch some things up. We can move some things around. I don't know how good Bryce Young will be. Trying to negotiate, trying to negotiate down the price. But I'll, I'll easily give you this year and next year's first rounder for Bryce Young. Let me tell you something right now. Tell you something right now. And I don't think Ryan Poles, I don't think Matt Eberflus is very, very smart. I think they're very, very dumb. I think this year's absolute cataclysmic disaster where I don't even know what their plan was. I don't. They didn't have an offensive line. They didn't have a defensive line. They didn't have a secondary. They didn't have anyone on special teams. They didn't have any wideouts. It was just, hey, Justin, can you run around a bunch? And if you can't, we're going to lose like by 30 points. You can't do that next year. I mean, he was hurt this year with a, uh, with, what was it? Wasn't it, it was Jalen that was hurt with like a shoulder sprain. Wasn't it ribs or something like that? I mean, he's always getting destroyed in the ribs because he's always getting hit. He's one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. The Bears saw that. Ryan Pohl saw that. And they said, you know what we're not going to do? Go out and get an offensive line. Like, Jesus Christ. But I think the Bears aren't very smart. I think the Bears, to be honest with you, are probably going to screw this up. Because they screw up everything. They screwed up the Mitchell Trubisky. Can you imagine? Again, Deshaun Watson, terrible person. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes are in the exact same draft. John Fox, the head coach of the Chicago Bears at the time, is telling Bears staff, Ryan Pace, ownership, we need a strong-arm quarterback. Deshaun Watson out of Clemson is the guy or Patrick Mahomes. They take Mitchell Trubisky best. And Patrick Mahomes becomes one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport. They passed up on him for a backup. I mean, he's a bust. Mitchell Trubisky, he'll be a backup, but he's a bust. I saw Kenny Pickett play every single week. He got categorically better. He needs some more offense alignment. He does. 
and probably a better offensive coordinator, to be honest with you. But George Pickens, star, called it. Shot my shot with George. It was a little bit wrong, but I was like, I like George Pickens a lot. Liked him a lot. George Pickens, star in the making. Najee Harris, still a good player. They got to get an offensive line. They got to they gotta throw something at it. Steelers. But Kenny Pickett, awesome quarterback. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. Mitchell Trubisky, bust. Chicago blew it with Patrick. And it looks like potentially they're going to blow it again. And there's been conversations about whether or not Chicago should draft um, Bryce Young, excuse me, over Justin Fields. In my opinion, Bryce Young is already better than Justin Fields. I mean, he just is. Bryce Young is a better quarterback than Justin Fields. Bryce Young is a better passer. He's already more developed. I don't, I've already seen Justin Fields play these last two years. He's underdeveloped. A lot of people are going to be like, oh, but he can run 20 more. Tw- Justin Fields, he can run a lot. Let me pull up something for you. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Justin Fields' stats this year. He had 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and 85.2 passer rating. He was throwing for 60%. Do you realize how bad you have to be to throw for 60% in the NFL nowadays? The league average is somewhere close to like 63, 65%. I know small percentages, they matter. Like some people are going to be like, what's the Like small percentages matter. He's throwing 60%. When there's lateral passes, there's screens. You can throw a screen. Just get it out there. Just throw a screen. Quick slants. Shallow crossers. Stop routes that only go for five yards. He's throwing 60% from the field. How's he throwing 60% from the field? He threw 58% last year. His career... When it comes to completion percentage, is 59.7%. 59. His touchdown to interception ratio is 24 to 21. How? How? He's underdeveloped. He's not very good. And then we can talk about yards. We can talk about how little yards he has in the passing game. But people will tell me, what about his running game, 24? He's an awesome running quarterback. So was Cam Newton. He got hurt. He was never the same after that 2015 season. He had one good season. One good season. With one of the best defenses in the the NFL. And then he was never the same guy. We never considered him a top 10 quarterback after that. At least I didn't. And Cam has struggled before and after that 2015 season, one year. Michael Vick, same thing. Really didn't accomplish anything in his career. Tyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Lamar is really the only running quarterback in the history of the sport to be able to do both, throw the football and run the football. And even he's a little bit underdeveloped as a passer. But notice the one thing that Lamar Jackson has been for the last two years, besides phenomenal, that's also hurt. He's hurt. He's been hurt for the last two years. They missed the playoffs because he wasn't hurt, because he was hurt um, last year. And they almost missed the playoffs this year because he was hurt again. Again, it's not really his fault when his offensive coordinator is trying to dial up run plays, trying to have Lamar run 15 times a game. Ridiculous. And he slowed down, not because he's gained weight, but because he's taken a crap ton of hits. But Lamar, we have the paradigm. We have the knowledge. The jury's in. If you're a running quarterback, you're going to get hurt. 
Just plain and simple. Trey Lance, hurt. Kyler Murray, hurt. Patrick Mahomes can run. Dak Prescott can run. We'll talk about Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. We'll talk about them in a couple. We'll talk about them later on. But those guys, they can run, but they don't choose to most of the time. They're not going to have designed run plays for them. And on top of that, as big as a dude as Dak Prescott is, Dak Prescott very, very rarely puts himself in trouble. He very, very rarely exposes himself to huge blows. And the same thing can be said about Patrick Mahomes. Same exact thing. And so I say all that to say about Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears. I know we started with Lovey Smith. I apologize. I can deviate. I can interpose. I can change direction very, very quickly. But we'll circle back to Lovey Smith and Black Monday here in a bit. But my overall point with the Bears and how they have absolutely whiffed this offseason is I would not be surprised if they then go on to whiff this offseason as well. Which is why I'm not super hopeful for the Chicago Bears and the prospects of being the new Eagles. Because you hear that a lot. You hear people say, well, the Chicago Bears, they can be, we can be the Eagles. And I've been waiting to fire this gun, to fire this bullet for about a month now. You can't be the Eagles. If you're a bad team, you can't go from being a bad team to one of the best teams in the NFL. Because it's a horrendously covered team. The Eagles were in the playoffs last year. The Eagles had, for years, Lane Johnson, who's one of the best, if not the best, right tackles in the NFL. For years, they had Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers in the NFL. They had the offensive line. They had already a good defensive line. They had... Brandon Graham, who has over 10 sacks this year. They had Fletcher Cox. They added Jordan Davis. They added Hassan Reddick and Montez, not Montez Sweat, um, Josh Sweat. And then Robert Quinn. They added all those boys. But they already had a good defensive line. They already had big play Slate, Darius Slate Jr. They added James Bradbury and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They already had Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. Got Devontae last year. Had Dallas Goddard for about four years. They then traded for A.J. Brown. They added pieces, but they didn't go into this season with scrubs. That's my point. You can't go into these these seasons and be like, we're going to play scrubs, and then next year we're just going to get Hall of Fame talents in their prime, pro, uh, pro bowlers, all pro guys with the very, very little assets that we have. You can't do that. You can't just go out and get scrubs. Or excuse me, you can't go from scrubs to, uh, to Pro Bowl All-Pro, which is why I'm extraordinarily skeptical about teams and fans and media members that make the paradigm and the parallel between their team and the Philadelphia Eagles. And you will see that going down in Chicago. We can be the Eagles. We can be the Eagles. They see Justin Fields as a running quarterback, and they see Jalen Hurts. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to go out and get A.J. Brown? Do you already have Devontae Smith? Do you already have Dallas Goddard? Do you already have Lane Johnson? Do you already have Jason Kelsey? Do you already have Nick Sirianni? Or are you going to go out and get Nick Sirianni? Do you already have Fletcher Cox? Do you already have freaking uh, Brandon Graham? Do you already have Darius Slade Jr., Darius Slade Jr., Pro Bowl, All-Pro Corner? Fletcher Cox, Hall of Fame defensive tackle. 
Brandon Graham. Good to great player. You already have those guys? Because if you don't, then you're kind of hosed. That's my point. That's my long-winded point about Chicago. That I, A, think that they screwed Justin this year. B, I don't think that they will make these massive improvements that every single person and their mother thinks that they will. And then C, that they are very, very lucky that the Houston Texans are a bad football team and that they, they can't even take right, tank right. They can't even lose games correctly. Going back to Black Friday or Black Monday and the firing of Lovey Smith. Again, Lovey gets fired, takes a bullet for the organization and their ridiculous pursuit of Josh McCown, which it seems has now transmorphed into, well, now we want D'Amico Ryan and all of these other top, top guys going into the, uh, the head coaching search or the head coaching season, or the offseason. You want to know my opinion about it? If I'm any head coach who has any intelligence, I'm not taking the job. Find somebody else to be your fodder for the wolves. You won't send me out to pasture like I'm old yeller and then fucking put me down like I have rabies when it's you who has rabies. It's you who's the problem. The Texans should have been reprimanded for these god-awful hirings over the, not even hirings more specifically, because again, they actually subverted my expectations. They actually were able to be competitive and win games that they really shouldn't and compete in games in which they shouldn't. The Houston Texans. And for me, that shows that there is some, some ability to coach. What ability? I don't know, because they won't have their coaches. But, The Houston Texans are reportedly not so interested in D'Amico Ryan. By the way, let me, let me, hold on. Give me like two seconds. Finished Harry Potter and the, uh, what is it? The Chamber of Secrets. Now I got to put in the Prisoner of Azkaban into my DVD player. Yes, I'm old. I know, I'm old. I like to watch things, or I like to, I'm a millennial, so I have to, have my attention be deviated. I apologize. But going back to the Houston Texans with their coaching cycle, the Houston Texans are essentially trying to interview a bunch of black coaches. The relevancy for this is that last year, a black coach in Brian Flores filed a lawsuit after essentially being used as a black token for a interview process. If you don't know the interview process in the NFL, there is this thing called the Rooney Rule in which it says that NFL teams have to interview black coaches. They have to. Because at one point in the league, surprise, surprise, they were not interviewing black coaches. They were not interviewing qualified black coaches. And so now what a lot of teams will do to kind of circumvent the Rooney Rule is they will interview kind of unqualified black coaches like... Marvin Lewis, who is just an absolute terrible head coach. That's how the Dallas Cowboys circumvented the Rooney rule to hire Mike McCarthy. Who else was, uh, who else? Who was the former Detroit Lions head coach before Dan Campbell? He was also a guy. Hold on. Let me pull him up. Hold on. 
was he? I forgot his name. I'm trying to figure it. I'm trying to remember his name. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. It was Jim Caldwell. There we go. Jim Caldwell is also a guy that people are interviewing to circumvent the Rooney rule. And so Brian Flores is being interviewed by the Giants. Was it the Giants? It was like, it was a couple of teams. Yeah, it, it, it was the Giants specifically in the sense of the Giants were interviewing Brian Flores, the black coach, and then Brian Dable, the current coach. And Brian Flores gets a, co- gets a text message, excuse me, by uh, allegedly, I should also say that because the lawsuit is still ongoing. But allegedly, he gets a text message by his former head coach and Bill O'Brien congratulating him on getting the job. But he hasn't gone in for a job interview yet. So he's, he's like, I, coach, I didn't get the job. Do you mean Brian Dable? Again, Brian Dable is the current head coach of the New York Giants. Are you talking to, do you think Brian Dable? And then, of course, Bill, Bill Belichick kind of admits that he has made a mistake and then Brian Flores is like, wait, I'm just a black token that people can use to get around the Rooney rule. And so he sues the NFL. And this is around the time that the Houston Texans, once again, are looking to potentially go after and get Josh McCown, again, high school head coach, unqualified. He's just unqualified. They're trying to get him. Brian Flores sues the league. It's why Brian Flores, or not Brian Flores, excuse me, it's why Lovey Smith became the head coach. To be like, look, we can hire a black coach too. We got a black coach. We like black people. We don't, we, <laughs> we, we, we're not biased at all. So of course, they fire Lovey Smith, hoping that this whole controversy would die down. And it, to be honest with you, it has. But now it looks like they're trying to interview more black coaches. D'Amico Ryan, who's the 49ers head coach. I don't know, or not head coach, he's the, He's the defensive coordinator. I don't know if they actually want D'Amico Ryan. He is qualified and he is black. I don't know if they want him. They're also trying to interview another black coach. I don't know. They're also trying to interview Ken Johnson, the Eagles offensive coordinator. I don't know why you're trying to interview him specifically because it's obviously Nick Sirianni's offense. It's obviously his football team. It's obviously why they win games. But... The Texans now are interviewing black coaches and just more qualified black coaches, I would say, instead of David Culley, who again subverted expectations in Lovey Smith. But I'll say this. If I am any coach that has any intelligence, I'm not trying to go to the Houston Texans. Why would I? Let them not have a head coach. You don't know if you're going to be fired next year or if they're going to be able to build a football team around you. They are a dysfunctional mess. They're a mess. Why would you go there? They're a terrible football team. I, 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 somebody's going to get the job. Some poor sucker is going to be left holding the bag like a bad crypto scam. They're just going to be left holding thousands upon thousands of dollars in, uh, in, in freaking a bad coin an NFT scam or whatever. They're just going to be scammed out of a freaking good position. They could have stayed with the team that they were at or potentially waited. Regardless, this football team, the Houston Texans, should be freaking ignored like the black sheep that it is. 
It is a horrendous football program, an organization, a team. The fact that the Houston Texans are interviewing or are requesting an interview for some of the top prospects is ridiculous. Nobody should take this job. I'm shocked. If anybody, if anybody of reputable, and again, black coaches, to some degree, they don't have an option. But I would be shocked if an actual top-tier coaching candidate takes the job with the Houston Texans, with the Houston Texans' horrendous pedigree of being an absolute joke over the last two seasons and firing their, their, uh, their last two head coaches within one year of one another. That's the TLDR. Lovey Smith gets fired. The Houston Texans win their final game, lose the number one overall pick to the Chicago Bears, and look significantly more dysfunctional than they actually are. Or, excuse me, than I actually thought they were. I thought they were less dysfunctional. They, in turn, are more dysfunctional. They can't win football games to save their lives because they are trying to lose football games, and then they can't even figure out ways to lose the football games that they are supposed to lose to get the number one overall pick. It's ridiculous. I I don't understand it. I also love, I also love the irony of Lovey Smith saying that he expects to be back in the, uh, in Houston. And then the very next day he gets fired. Oh my God. It's, it's hilarious. Anyways, God, I spent, hold on, how much? 40 minutes on the Houston Texans and Lovey Smith. It will be a long one today. So, give me two seconds. So, let's talk about the other coaches that got fired. I'm not going to talk about assistants. I'm more along the lines just going to talk about the big boys here. I'm going to talk about specifically Cliff Kingsbury being fired by the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury, Texas Tech head coach, gets fired by Texas Tech, his alma mater. I think it's another head coaching job or an assistant job in college until the Arizona Cardinals and Steve Keim come a knocking. Trying to replicate the college football passing attack, the air raid offense in the NFL with... Not even the guy that was the main arbiter of it. Not the guy that popularized it. Not the guy that has perfected it in Lincoln Riley, but the guy that essentially is trying to copy and steal notes from the genius. Have you? There are those TV shows and those movies where the, uh, the stupid kid or the cool kid or whatever are, like, taking notes from the nerd. They're, like, taking test results from the nerd. They're like, look at the nerd. Look at the nerd. We're going to copy the notes off of him because they're too stupid and they don't study and things of that nature. Like, that's Cliff Kingsbury. He's kind of the stupid guy who's copying the notes off of the smart guy, Lincoln Riley. And so here we are Monday or technically Tuesday because today is Tuesday. Cliff Kingsbury gets fired. I haven't watched the new Amazon in season. Nobody's talked about it. Is the new episode supposed to? I will watch the new episode of, not Amazon Prime. What's, what's it called? Hard Knocks. There we go. The new episode of Hard Knocks is supposed to 
come out either today or tomorrow. I'm going to watch that specifically because I want to see the whole exit process of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and him getting fired and things of like that. I think it's actually kind of interesting. But Cliff has lost the, the complete respect of the team. He lost the one seed last year. Just completely and utterly lost it. Just lost it to, who was the one seed last year? It was Green Bay. Lost it to Green Bay. Lost to Green Bay in November. It was the beginning of the end for the Arizona Cardinals. They went on to lose the, not only the one seed in the conference, but the one seed in their division. It was a horrendous process for the Arizona Cardinals. But a process that I felt was warranted. I felt that it was earned. Congratulations, Houston, or not. I, I always mix up Houston and Arizona. Congratulations, Arizona. You kind of played yourself. I've been talking. I hope Steve Kime gets well, gets better. I don't know if he's out of the hospital, but he's had to step away from team activities because of... Uh, Issues and complications regarding his health. But I hope he's all right. But Steve Kime should have been fired years ago. How long has he been the GM for the Arizona Cardinals? Let me check. Give me like two seconds. Let me check. Let me check. <clears throat> Hold on. He's from Harrisburg? Okay. How long has he been the GM? Give me like two seconds. First and foremost, this is so weird. His process, I just looked at his, I'm on his Wikipedia page. It's so weird. Where is this? Oh, okay, okay. These are awards. These are awards. I was like, he worked for Pro Football Talk? No, he did not work for Pro Football Talk. He was Pro Football Talk's NFL Executive of the Year. He's been with Arizona for almost 30 years. He joined Arizona. This is his executive career. He joined Arizona in 1999. As a college scout for the Eastern United States, he was promoted to director of college scouting in 2006 and later to director of player personnel in 2008 and 2012. He was promoted to vice president and then he got promoted to GM in 2013. So it's January 10th, 2023, about 10 years ago in two days, Two days and 10 years ago, he was promoted to the GM in 2013. He's been the GM for the team for the last 10 years. And he's been terrible. He has been terrible. There have been only a handful of good moves here and there. And a lot of questionable moves. One of the main questionable moves that he made in the last couple of years is the firing of Steve Wilkes, who seems to kind of be competent in Carolina. Carolina was playing decently well in some stretches. Without Christian McCaffrey, with Sam Darnold, they beat Seattle in, in Seattle. And you have to wonder what would have happened if, oh my God, he got a chance. If Steve Wilkes got a chance instead of being hired and fired within a year. 
They hired him, fired him, and then they got Cliff Kingsbury, who has been kind of a joke in the NFL for the last couple of years. It's really been Kyler that's been handling the success of the football team. Only good thing that he did was essentially getting Kyler Murray to the NFL because he seems to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, getting him to the Arizona Cardinals. This is Steve Kimes. Getting Ky- Steve Kimes getting Kyler to the, uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. But then on top of that, the DeAndre Hopkins trade, where he had to give up minimal draft picks to the Houston Texans and was able to get off of David Johnson's contract. One of the best trades of my lifetime. For one of the best wide receivers, they essentially don't give up a first-round draft pick, and they get rid of one of the worst contracts on their football team. Amazing job by Steve Kime. But that's it. In the last couple of years, he has essentially been horrifyingly bad. He's been terrible. From drafting Isaiah Simmons and having no idea how to play him, drafting Zayvon Collins and then having no idea how to play him, not really doing and being anything in free agency. And then last year, or te- yeah, I mean, technically it was last year's draft because it's 2023 and not 2022 now. Last year's draft where they trade for Hollywood Brown for a first-round draft pick, and he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good when they, when they traded for him, and he's not very good, and now he's up for a contract. It's like, what? How many yards does Hollywood have? I think he has maybe one 1,000-yard season. He is not... I mean, he is a okay to good receiver. He had 700 yards this year, three touchdowns. He had one 140-plus yard game against the Rams. He has not had a touchdown since October. That's like three months ago. He has one 1,000-yard season in four years. They gave up a four, a first-rounder for him. Instead of just drafting Christian Watson, if that's what they wanted to do. And he is now up for a contract. So you traded away a first rounder for a guy that you're not going to really use. Great job, Arizona. Arizona fired Cliff Kingsbury yesterday, and then Steve Kime announced that he is stepping down from being the GM for the Arizona Cardinals. To manage his health, which I don't blame him at all. I think that's a great decision for him. Again, I hope he gets better. But oh my goodness, both Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, do not get me wrong. Do not mistake what I'm saying. Both of them were bad. Both of them were bad. For a multitude of different reasons. But just simply put, they didn't put the organization in a winning position. Both of them didn't. To see both of them be gone is going to be very, very interesting. I think Arizona is such an interesting football team. You constantly hear the name Sean Payton. Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. Sean Payton is available. Sean Payton is is a guy that teams should target. Sean Payton is coming out. Sean Payton is already, I mean, he already has permission by the New Orleans Saints to interview with with, uh, with the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton should come out. Sean Payton should go here. Sean Payton should go there. I think Sean Payton, if he does go to a football team, I think he should maybe make a consideration for this one. Tyler's not going to be back until October. It's either Arizona or the Broncos. Tyler's not going to be back until October. Russell, it's probably Denver. It's what he should probably consider. But if he doesn't get the Denver job, this should be a second club. This should be the second, uh, the second team that he sh- should consider. 
top-tier, top-flight quarterback, top-flight wide receiver talent, awesome playmakers. God, man, it's so insane how bad Steve Kime fucked up their offense. It's like they have four or five guys on their offense. They have DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown, Rondale Moore, who's a really, really good receiver, I think. It'd be really, really special, but for some reason, and it was so weird when they traded for, for Rondale Moore, or not Rondale Moore, Hollywood Brown, because they already had Rondale Moore, who to me could have been their deep threat. And then they also have two really good tight ends, and they, only, they already had one. They had Zach Ertz. Why did you trade for Zach Ertz? When you, not trade for Zach Ertz, but they had Zach Ertz by trading for him from Philly, and then they drafted Trey McBride, who I really liked out of Colorado. I was stunned, I was shocked, I was speechless, I was confused. Didn't make any sense to me. But Arizona, once again, has just been absolutely disastrous over the last couple of years. So in one way, in, in a lot of ways, it's not that big of a, of a, you know, of a, of a stretch, of a reach to be like, oh my God, I can't believe that Arizona is making these horrendous decisions. On the other hand, it's, it's, it's bad. Hold on. I just got word. Wow, 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 wow. What am Wow. What a horrendous steal. <clears throat> Give me like two seconds. Hold on. I just got um, the Rokon Smith trade deal. Or not trade deal, but the new deal. Wow. What a fucking disaster. What a fucking disaster, man. What is Baltimore doing, honestly? Give me like two seconds to look up Roquan Smith's sats. Uh, I haven't been clear at all. Roquan Smith, linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, just got paid a crap ton of money. By the Baltimore Ravens. That's what I'm looking up right now. Oh, God. It's talking about Arizona. Let me pivot to Baltimore. Let me just make that pivot here, right here, right now. So... Baltimore added in Roquan Smith. They added in Roquan Smith to their football team. Their football team has needed it. They've needed a just some something on the defense because their defense has just been What? What are these averages? I'm just, I'm looking at, I'm looking at some of these Baltimore Ravens games. 
Oh, gosh. Wow, 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 wow. I, I, I cannot believe that the Baltimore Ravens just did that. I cannot believe that the Baltimore Ravens just extended Rokon Smith. Oh. What a shocker. So, I've been, I've been talking about Lamar Jackson and his contract extension for years. Or not for years, uh, for months now. Four months. And I've been talking about it in the context of the Baltimore Ravens have not had a lot of success as a football team without Lamar Jackson. They were at one point in the regular season for a week or two in December. So it was close. It was close. They only had to win a couple more games and then they would have actually been not only in the playoffs, but potentially one seed. But the Baltimore Ravens last year had Lamar Jackson go down. He was hurt. He went down. It was terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And he's hurt again. And they lost this way, this past weekend, excuse me, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I want to put things in proper context here. The Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012. There were five seasons. Technically, how many seasons? Two, three, four. Five, yeah, five seasons. In between them winning the Super Bowl and then drafting Lamar Jackson and losing in the wild card, how many times do you think that they have gone to the playoffs? In between them winning their last Super Bowl and drafting Lamar Jackson, how many times do you think that they've gone to the playoffs? And I've made this argument very consistently the last couple of weeks. It's okay if you don't understand it or haven't seen it, it's okay. But I've made this argument because I think that it's true and I think that it's legitimate. They have gone to the playoffs one time in five years after winning the Super Bowl. Playoffs once in five years, okay? I say that to emphasize the point that the Lamar, not, not the Lamar Jacksons. <laughs> they pretty much are the Lamar Jacksons. It's like, The Baltimore Ravens are the Lamar Jacksons. Their success is predicated, determined, and consistent with Lamar Jackson's play. Which is why I've been on the train of them signing him to a multi-million dollar contract. But he's going to gouge him. He's going to gouge him because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But even more importantly than that, He is their entire offense and entire team. When he sucks, they suck. When he doesn't run the football for 100 yards and throw for another 200 and potentially get and is a part of two to three touchdowns, they lose. They lost this weekend. He wasn't playing. They lost. They lost uh, last weekend against the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers. He wasn't playing. They beat the freaking Falcons. 9-17, whoop-de-fucking-new. But guess what? They lose the next, the the last previous weekend against the Cleveland Browns. He wasn't playing. They barely beat the Steelers. I think he was playing in that game. Oh, no, excuse me. He wasn't playing. They barely beat the Broncos. 10-9. I think he was playing. No, he was playing up against the Jags, right? No, 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 he was playing, and that's the game that he got hurt, my bad. So he was against the, uh, the, the Broncos, but he was playing. 
and then he gets hurt. They lose against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27-28. to And I'm going to reference this statistic here. I'm going to tell you why that this statistic is important. 27-28. They lose to the, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wasn't his fault. Jacksonville scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. What do you want him to do? What do you want him to do? They lose two fumbles, but they don't throw any interceptions. What do you want him to do? Wasn't his fault. How do you let up 28, or not 20, 18 points? 18 points, it's three touchdowns. How do you let up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter? There's this statistic that Ian Rappaport just tweeted out, that the Ravens, ooh, since uh, trading for Rokon Smith, uh, they, their statistics are so much better. Ow, oh my God. Since trading for him, they've allowed 14 points per game, 288 yards, 201 passing yards per game, three yards per carry, 3.5 yards per carry, and the red zone percentage for the respective teams that they've played up against them, touchdown percentage is 28%. That sounds great. That's great, right? Until you realize the teams that they're playing up against, right? The Bengals. Oh, and by the way, they didn't hold the Bengals to any points. Or they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't hold them to 19 or 14 points, whatever the statistic was. The Bengals beat the shit out of them. They won by, tw- by, they won by 11 points. It's 27 to 16. Scored 24 points in the first half, by the by. The week before that, before this weekend, they go up against the Steelers. The Steelers aren't very good on offense. They score 16 points. The, Raven, the Ravens go up against the Falcons. The Falcons aren't very good. Neither are, the, n- neither are the Browns. The Falcons score nine points. The Browns score 13. They go up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They almost lose that game, again, without Lamar Jackson. They barely beat the Broncos. Again, and Lamar didn't play that much. But still, it was nine points to the Denver Broncos. Broncos not very good. When they go up against top-tier offenses, like, for example, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they get hung 28 points. And then, they, of course, they go up against Carolina, dysfunctional team. My point is, is that this statistic is a little bit inflated. It's a little bit inflated. Because it's not that it was Roquan Smith that was the reason why they had so much success. It was simply put because they were going up against bad teams. With bad offenses. With bad players. But Roquan Smith getting reportedly from the Baltimore Ravens a five-year, $100 million deal, $45 million of it guaranteed, $60 million in total guarantees. And then essentially he's going to average about $20 million annually. Let me, let me figure out how much that is relative to to all the other linebackers in the NFL. Let me just figure it out. Jack Leonard is getting paid 19 million. Brad Warner is getting paid 19 million. He's getting paid more than them. What? Roquan Smith is not a better player than Shaq Leonard who's been hurt all year, or Fred Warner. What?
I, I don't understand this. I don't. It's like... I've, I've, I've said this a lot. I've talked about how there are times where organizations think that their success is rooted in not their ability, not the players, like the players, uh, like, like the players, they play an important part, but it's really the organization. Ooh, it's the organization. And not the players playing the sport. And so they think at times that they can get away with murder, that they can do anything, that they can say anything. And it leads to shit like this. I always mention the Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Krause conversations in the, in the communication with the Chicago Bulls of the 90s, where they believed that the Chicago Bulls could enter into a rebuild with Michael Jordan, but they were also going to release Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and their head coach, Phil Jackson. And the quote, if you've watched The Last Dance, which that is a documentary about the final year of the 1990s uh, Bulls dynasty. It was The Last Dance. The quote that's in the first episode by Jerry Krause, the GM, the general manager of the team, is, you know, we have a great group of guys, we have a great team, but it's really the organization that wins the championships. And here you have the Baltimore Ravens. Not saying it, but showing it. Showing that that is how they think. That is their philosophy. How the fuck is Roquan Smith a priority out over Lamar Jackson? When you haven't won, checks your last four games, two games, with him in this back straight. And the teams that you beat, by the way, with him on your squad... Were the Steelers, the Broncos, and the Panthers, right? Those are eight. How many, how many weeks? Those are like eight of your nine games. You go one and three in the last four weeks. And then three, and then you beat the Saints. You beat the Panthers. You beat the Broncos. And you beat the Steelers. And you're like... That's our guy. Roquan's our guy. I've been talking about switching up the offense for about a year and a half now. Didn't get rid of your offensive coordinator, who is terrible. It's like Lamar Jack. I don't. I don't know how the fuck. I don't know how the fuck the Ravens fucked this up. Now, now I'm a little bit agitated. I don't know how they fucked this up this much. How do you fuck this up? Isn't it obvious that your team, your team almost missed the playoffs this year? Again, how is, how is Roquan Smith a priority? You played shitty teams. You dunked on shitty teams, man. That's why you're winning all these games. Or not, not winning all these games, excuse me. But it's why your team's defense has performed significantly better. I don't, I like, I don't understand this, man. It's, it's insane that the Raven, I feel like this is a huge mistake. A huge mistake. Everybody's like, whoa, Roquan Smith, Roquan, oh my God. I can't believe it. Insane. Insane, bro. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. I just, like, didn't do shit against the Ravens, or not the Ravens, but the Bengals. Didn't do, like, I, I just don't understand it. Oh my God, man. So disgusting. So unbelievably disgusting what they did today. Let me see if Over the Cap has calculated the contract. Let me see. Overthecap.com is a cap, uh, it's like a cap calculating website. Uh, I don't think they have. He's getting guaranteed money. They only have $50 million in available cap space next year or this year. I mean, it's technically after the 2022 season, 2020, 2022 season. Yeah. I thought I said 2020. My bad. They only have 52 million. They're going to have to add in the Roquan Smith deal. This just makes me puke. Oh my God. So ridiculous that they fucked this up this badly. They dra You know what they've done? I hate this so much. They drafted Kyle Hamilton this year, who hasn't really been that good for them. He hasn't been phenomenal. He hasn't been sensational. He's been like okay to below average. They go out and get Roquan. They get Odafe away last year. They get all these guys. And none of them are contributing as much as like Rashad Bateman did before he got hurt. They traded away Hollywood Brown to get Ch uh, Tyler Linderbaum, who I loved, who's been okay to good. And it's like, I don't know how the fuck this organization doesn't get this. Everybody talks about this organization as a buttoned up approach. Why isn't Lamar Jackson a priority? Why? MVP of the league, wins a bunch of games. Do they honestly think that they can get out of this situation without giving out a bunch of money? Con, man. What a joke. What an absolute joke. I, I, I just don't understand this. And then they traded away Hollywood Brown. There was something interesting. They trade, they trade away Hollywood Brown during the draft and Lamar Jackson tweets out like what the fuck is going on because they didn't tell him didn't tell him at all and I just I I wonder I gotta wonder if I'm not gonna be be, be the whole like oh there's friction and there's obviously going to they're obviously gonna move on and Blah, 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 but it's, I, I don't fucking understand it. I, I really don't understand what the Baltimore Ravens are trying to do here. Doesn't make any fucking sense. This reminds me of when Jerry Jones was like, I'm going to pay all these players like Jalen Smith and Leo Collins, who I'm going to get rid of in like two years, two, three years. I'm going to get rid of these players in a couple of years. I'm going to give them bad contracts in order to put pressure on my quarterback to sign his multi-million dollar contract. And of course, Dak Prescott didn't. And then he waited a year and then he played better and then he fleeced him and he beasted him. And I look at this the same way as I look at the Baltimore Ravens and what they did today. How the fuck are you going to sign Roquan Smith over Lamar Jackson? I don't understand that. Oh, their defense is playing better. Their defense is playing better. Okay. Playing against shitty teams, playing against fucking bad teams. And then it's just like they signed Roquan Smith. And then it's just like, okay. Uh, God.
fucking joke. Fucking joke. Honestly. So I'm just so exhausted by the Baltimore Ravens and their idiotic decisions. Oh, God, how do they do this? How do they do this? I'm just speechless. I really am. Because I would have thought that they would have... And by the way, Roquan is a off-ball linebacker. So essentially his job, he's bad in coverage. His job is to essentially stop the run. And that's it. He doesn't really blitz. He doesn't really provide a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He's not... He's not even... This is the frustrating thing. He's not even the best at what he does. That's the thing. It's like Shaq Leonard is better than him. The linebacker from the, the Colts who essentially missed all year because he was hurt. And even Fred Warner. They're both better than him. And they were like, gee, we're going to give him more money than both of them. And we're also going to, to freaking, uh, like, to, like, um, to freaking, like, like, ostracize our quarterback. It's like, how the fuck do you do that in one move? You give a bad contract and you also fuck over your quarterback. And you also potentially fuck over your cap. Because of like, because you're going to give him $20 million per year out of $52 million. You don't have enough money to pay Lamar unless you move some money around. And the thing about it is, this is the, this is the dumb fucking thing about what they just did. You cannot add on money into his contract because you're going to have to tag him. You're going to have to tag him this year because you don't want him to go away. And then on top of that, you're going to have to give him this weird contract with huge, huge accelerants in how much money you're going to give him if you want Lamar Jackson. I think the Baltimore Ravens are, have made a categorically huge mistake today with the signing of Roquan Smith. Oh, gosh. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. What a fucking joke that is. So annoyed with the Ravens, and how, how could they do that to themselves? How could they fuck over their team? There's nothing on their team that says that they should ever, ever prioritize Roquan Smith over Lamar Jackson. There's nothing. There's nobody that says that. Jesus Christ, man. Anyways. I, I mean, I'm speechless. I, I think that's a good stopping point today. I meant to go longer, but I'm just, I'm stunned at how bad that deal is for the Baltimore Ravens. I will see you tomorrow. We will talk more about what happened this weekend. We'll talk more about what happened uh, with college football as well. I'm sorry that we didn't get to everything that we wanted, that I wanted to get to today. I'm just, again, I'm, I'll, I'll let this kind of develop here over the next couple of hours because literally that information just came out came down but wow looks like uh the ravens are starting off i mean it's january 10th so you know you can't really say it's the new year it's the new year but jesus christ i cannot believe how just idiotic the baltimore ravens are and their inability to just make proper decisions but anyways i'll, I'll see you tomorrow i'm back 24's podcast